This episode is with Chris Pappas of El Bell. He's got another one coming out, another album called Post Everything, along with the title track out on this podcast. It's out now everywhere else, but it's on this podcast too. And uh, yeah, we caught up at his home studio in LA, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, we It's been something like two years since we last uh, really caught up. So we talked a lot of politics and uh, a lot of COVID, of course, our favorite topic. Uh, but then we talked music and we talked Star Trek. We talked a few. <laughs> we talked about a lot of stuff. It was it was a lot of fun. It lasted way longer than either of us expected. We went just over three hours. So uh, you're getting an abridged version today. And eventually I'm going to put out the entire thing because it was a really great conversation. It was a lot of fun catching up. And um, I'm sure we'll be catching up post-election. And uh, yeah. So here is Post Everything, um, title track from his latest record, uh, or from his forthcoming record, rather. And stay tuned for more. Enjoy. Let's all join the circus. nice of you to come by man we'll just... <laughs> it's like oh man what a way to start this yeah. <laughs> by the way cheers again cheers yeah uh yeah it's good to catch up again man absolutely the last time we talked it was um it was for no signal and it was at that place 
Figaro. At the, Figaro. Yeah, that really cool spot. Yeah, haven't been there this year. Haven't been anywhere this year. Yeah, well, they, they only have room for like four tables outside, right? Yeah. It's a small area. Yeah, it's pretty cramped. Although the, the restaurant indoors is, is really big. Mm. Yeah, it. I've made it a point to like really try and steer conversation away from Corona, especially like if um, I'll be talking with friends and I'm like, can we just talk about something else? <laughs> like, yeah. what else is there? What's left to say about it? Um, yeah, we I, haven't I mean, gotten an update in a while, like a significant one. So it's just like, we're, now we're just like, fuck. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, and I also mean like personally, like what, what left do I have to say about it? Then I, I, I wake up, I spend my day in existential dread, and then I go to sleep. Yeah, like the, the, that's pretty much has been since the beginning of this. There's no new personal update, of, mm. and so um, I've been like really trying, but here I am talking about it. It's kind of unavoidable. Every um, every conversation I have now has something to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people want to want to talk about it. My friend Misty and I, um, she she claims that I don't grieve in public enough, mm. um, and it feels like that may be the reason why I don't want to talk about Corona. It's it's because I don't I I'm I'm grieving this year. Yeah. And I don't want to let people in on that. Mm. And so talking about it feels like a little bit of like a, a grieving in public sort of thing. And mm. she accuses me of not doing that enough. Uh, whereas I think she does it way too much. <laughs> no, actually, I think she probably does it the right amount. And mm. I'm definitely... Um, probably could stand to come over towards her position a bit more. Mm -hmm. So she wants you to post everything. Yeah, yeah. she does. <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> Great segue. So, uh, so we did <laughs> the Corona to, uh, talk. Well, let's try and do it. Say, yeah, let's try to, and, uh, let's try and pretend <laughs> like the remainder of this podcast interview, let's make it timeless. Like you will <laughs> never be able to peg that it happened in the midst of a nightmare of a pandemic. All right. Let's let's try it as a goal. <laughs> and let's see what we what right. we do. So All what right. year are we emulating here? Uh what year? <laughs> In the past twenty. Um let's just do last year. All right. Yeah, that's not bad. Well, let's do like January even. January was of this pandemic. year. Yeah. Or right. let's do next year. Next year. How do you want the world to be? I want us to, what we were talking about earlier, figure it out like the other countries have. Mm. That's what I hope happens next year. And I think we will. I think this will be like a good wake-up call. Oh, man. <laughs> no. Trump, Trump is winning. He's going to win. I thought win. Biden was up. He's, I have, yeah, on 538. <laughs> He's favored 77 to 33. Um, On 538, damn. Yeah. But I'm talking Biden. Biden is predicted to win. Mm. But Hillary Clinton was too, just mind you. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, 
I guess me thinking that Trump is going to win, really, it's the way I view America right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't have faith in America like I, like I used to. Yeah, it's hard like, to see it. I used to think that people, there was just a misunderstanding. Like, look. We're just not getting across because we're using different language or we're saying it in a way that they can't relate to. But people generally believe in equality and freedom mm -hmm. and and um, democracy. Yeah. And then now I don't think that anymore. They get what we're saying. <laughs> they understand. Yeah. They're not dumb. They literally don't want that. Yeah. And that changed the country I knew as like this, like we all have the general principle of freedom and democracy. And that's what America is shaped on. And like people just need to catch up to, oh, I live in a country that doesn't believe in those things. Holy shit. Yeah. And that I, I that switch has been flipped in my brain mm. and it's going to take a lot to unflip it. But I, I genuinely believe right now that we are going to the the there's going to be mob rule in America and it's going to be white supremacy and and Trump Republicans. I think or people that don't care, mm -hmm. which is the largest group, which you might as well throw them in with the fascists. Yeah. They found a way to avoid the consequences. Well, they won't avoid the consequences. They've found a way to ignore them until yeah. it's going to be too late. Yeah. And so if, you know, people don't come out and vote, then, which is going to be a large contingent, it's hard to believe, but it, I really think it's going to be still a large contingent of people. And then the, the wonkiness of the electoral college, I think that it's, perfectly likely that just like Gore and Bush and just like the last election, Republican steals the election based on the electoral college, even if they don't get the, the popular vote. Mm -hmm. And um, so now we live with a system where um, popular vote doesn't matter. Um, minority is overrepresented and the minority vote, I, I should be specific. Mm -hmm. Um, i.e. Republicans, um, they're, uh, they're underrepresented in the Senate and, uh, he gets to appoint, um, three judges off of not getting the popular vote the last time. Mm -hmm. This is a coup. There's no other way to look at it, but it's like, a, how, yeah, it's how do you, violent coup? Yeah. And Democrats just seem they seem unwilling to see it for what it is. Mm -hmm. And you have to think they're either, they're not stupid. So are they just as evil as the Republicans? Mm. And you get into this both sides thing that I don't, I don't believe I don't in my heart believe, but like you got to think, especially with the Supreme court, deal that's going on right now that they're essentially going to ram through a, a, 
another justice and Democrats aren't going to do anything about it. They, mm. if, if Biden wins, I mean, obviously I hope he does, but if he does, why not stack the courts? Yeah. Why not expand? If Republicans are completely willing to just do whatever the fuck they want, why, it almost feels like an abusive relationship where we're, where we're, where we're trying to be like, no, they'll, they'll all of a sudden be good for no reason. We like the rules aren't helping us. Yeah. Decorum isn't helping us. It, 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 it's not the high road anymore. It's the, it's the, they get the Supreme court and overturn Roe v. Wade while we sit on our thumbs yeah. road and just wait for the next move and then decide maybe, what? you know, I mean, the next move is, is clear. It's, it's the inaction mm -hmm. or the, the like Democrats just need to understand that like the, the constitution as it is written is not, it, it, there's, there's tons of amendments to it. It's not perfect. They treat it like this idea or like the, 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 the process. Democrats talk about the process a lot. Like mm. they're very hung up on compromise and decorum and the process. Mm -hmm. And why? The, the, the rules as they were stated when America was founded included slavery yeah they're obviously not these perfect god-given rules like and they're not working right now mm -hmm. it's clear so fuck the rules yeah let's, why they, are they we just assuming right that they deliver like they're like a justice machine mm -hmm. that just pumps out justice <laughs> it's like no we have to work for that shit every time yeah Every time, and it required going outside the law to do it. Mm -hmm. It's almost a requisite for social progress mm -hmm. to break the law. Yeah. Of course. Whoever's in, ch in charge is clamping down on all opposition, you know, one way or another. Well, it's always the, the benefit of the state to consolidate power. You yeah. know, that's, that's, it, that's always... Every sort of move is always has a, t a flavor of that in it. Mm -hmm. How's the gain on this mic? It's good. Yeah, because I, I didn't. I was. I got really worked up there. <laughs> Just didn't know if I clipped it or not. I think you clipped a little bit, but no yeah. deal. Nothing. Nothing uh, irreversible. Okay, wait. So we talked about Corona and we talked about Trump. <laughs> let's let's put a demarcation here now. We're, we're, we've we've done those two topics. Yeah. I'm gonna try and stay away from those two topics. <laughs> cool. I've been escaping into a, a a fantasy world. I've gotten really into the Dungeons and Dragons hobby. Nice. I'm not I'm not shitting you. Yeah. You, Some friends of mine just did too. You're looking at me with that blank blank stare. <laughs> well, I've never played it. I I don't know anything about it. It um. is. Hey. <laughs> As far as escapism goes to uh, get out of this world for a second, th there's nothing like it. Oh, I know that about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's but, like a video game, but like uh, more to your imagination. Uh, sir, it is not a video game. 
No, I said it's like a video game. It's not it's even. Get, your... get video game. <laughs> get get the words video game out of your mouth. Uh, get it. Don't it's even. A whole different. Yeah. Whole no. Different thing. Whole it, different it, 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 you can play it like a video game for sure. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Oh. But like it is in the Dungeons and Dragons um, culture. It is like the whole joke is like. It's not a video game. Like yeah. they get really worked up about it because when I feel like when done uh, the way uh, I prefer to do it, it, it definitely isn't a video game. It's mm -hmm. more like it's collective improvisational storytelling. Yeah. It sounds like fun. It's super fun. Yeah. There's a framework and there's mechanics and there's like the way the world works. Yeah. But then you just write a story with your friends in the world. And you're constrained by the rules that you choose to follow. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a book of rules, but people homebrew rules all the time or just make the world the way that they like it. Yeah. But the rules are there to spur, like, inspire creativity. Right, right. So, like, you can't just go, all right, I fly now. It's like, well, that's, I mean, it's not just freeform storytelling. Like, yeah. it, it's more fun to say, well, you can't fly unless you have a certain ability and then thus all these rules that's how essentially the framework yeah was you built. negotiate the yeah, the yeah. process yeah and yeah so um it's it's so fun you play with a bunch of friends i've been doing it over zoom mm. and um how many people uh ideally you want three to five mm. that's like the ideal but um one or two is super fun i've done that as well mm -hmm. um so there's a um, like a dungeon master, mm -hmm. game master, and they play all of the monsters and the people that you meet. And they're essentially the, the, the computer that mm -hmm. is telling you what you see. And this is all theater of the mind. And so I would set, I would set a scene and then the characters role play mm -hmm. and, and um, act out in character what they would do. Yeah. And you have a character sheet that lists like your abilities and and stuff like that. And um, some characters are better at certain things than others. Everybody has a certain set of abilities and you just let loose in the world in this world. And you tell a story with your friends and it's a hoot. That's so cool. Yeah. Is it always like fantasy based or no. I always wondered if there was like a sci fi version of it uh, there. So I feel like you can adapt the 5e which is the new dungeons and dragons system they update it mm -hmm. every so often um and so the latest edition is called 5e um and i think that could be reskinned for any setting mm. um i run one that uses the 5e rules but is kind of like a procedural cop show like almost mm. like uh csi miami or yeah. something like that um is that rhythm yeah 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 um, and so, um, you can, you, yeah, you can make it look like anything you want, but there are also just straight up other systems mm -hmm. that are made for that setting mm -hmm. that aren't Dungeons and Dragons, but are also like people love, like there's like a lot of D and D competitors that aren't as ubiquitous as Dungeons and Dragons, but like some argue make even a better product. And there's definitely some set in space. Cool. For sure. There's Western ones. There's really uh, there's uh, a really popular one called Call of Cthulhu, mm -hmm. which is obviously a Lovecraftian gothic horror. Yeah. Um, it's set in like the 1920s. So it's that pulp 
detective noir vibe to yeah. it. What they call um, it, L.A. noir. It's really mm. dark. Uh, the characters tend to die in it. Mm. Um, people love that one, and that's a system based in that era. You know, like so. There's a lot of like options i mean i don't know I, i'm not experienced with any of those i i've like i don't know if I, we, yeah, i'm sure i'll play them someday but like uh i'm 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 more just uh doing the D D. that's kind of all i have time for now yeah, yeah. <laughs> i haven't gotten you that to... deep into the hobby yet <laughs> and i do say yet and a real emphasis on yet <laughs> you'll get there yeah like you aim to get there <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um it's hard to I feel like it's hard to pick hobbies um, now. I, I, I worry that I'm wasting my time on something, uh, which is not the right mindset, right? No, like, yeah. I, that, but I <laughs> totally understand it. I felt the same way. I, I Doing this, mm. doing Dungeons and Dragons makes me realize I haven't had a hobby in probably 15 years. Something that really got your attention. That, that wasn't music. Or held your attention. Yeah. You, you know, that like I just always, when, when you're, I would feel mm. that if I weren't creating art, I was wasting my time. Right. And so every minute was spent creating and minutes not spent creating were spent with the administrative part of it, of like booking shows mm -hmm. and making sure I have a website and um, finding a band to play the shows and stuff like, like there's so much, um, and so when you add those two things up, mm. it took up all of my time. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would go out, I, I would, my hobby, I, I was like going out to a bar, I guess. That was the only time I really felt like I was taking time off from actively doing music. Right. You know? Right. And so like, I, I, that's like, I'm I'm so glad that, I discovered this because it feels so different it mm. and it's so like good for the mental health. Yeah. It keeps As, your mind busy. Keeps your mind busy. It feels social too. Mm -hmm. Um, You're scratching an itch. Maybe you didn't realize it was there. You know? Yeah. Um, it's performative. Mm -hmm. It feels like um, it's definitely filled in a little of the gap of like the shows mm -hmm. that aren't happening. Yeah. And um, it, it it's it definitely scratches a lot of itches for sure. Mm. It's it's super fun, and I've been writing as well. I wrote two TV pilots that oh, actually yeah. got optioned, and um, I think that I don't know if that's the right term, but like a production company is helping me develop them. Um, and oh yeah, that's the right term. Is right? that the right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think um, I do that. <laughs> And so uh, I've been working on that, which has been good. That that's a that's a little that's like that feels good in a different way because it's it's not music, mm. but it's it is creative, you know. Yeah. Um. It and I really like writing. I I didn't know how much I actually liked it, and so. Um. And I, and I mean like screenwriting, literary writing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's so different, right? So yeah. 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 Did you, um, did it take a while for that to develop like that, uh, your rhythm there 
or did you hop right into it? I, I feel like I'm still in that sweet spot of like not knowing that I'm breaking it rules. Mm. You know that th there's a little bit of ignorance is bliss when it comes to artistic endeavors. Yeah. And I think that I'm, I'm having quote unquote beginner's luck mm. with it because I'm breaking some rules in a very like a subversive way that is new. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know I'm doing them. So it, it also comes off very earnest and like not like too tongue in cheek, I yeah. guess I'd say. But um, I mean, I can only guess and like who, you know, but I just I, I feel like if I start, I, 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 I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't know if I want to get any quote unquote better at writing than I am right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I've already, I've got music yeah. and I've crafted it and I've worked hard at being, um, what I would have considered good at music. And I don't know. I don't know if it's helped me at w with the core thing I'm trying to do with my music is is to show a piece of myself honestly. Mm -hmm. I don't think that any study of the songwriting craft or practicing on guitar has brought me closer to achieving that than just doing just being a human being. Yeah. And so like I I am hesitant to pursue that in writing mm -hmm. because I don't know if I'll, I, I don't, I don't want to teach writing. I, you know, I don't know if I find too much benefit from learning about, you know, Oh, it's very weird that you structured the third act. It seems like it's in place of the second. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I, you know, it's yeah. great that you know that and you can enjoy it on or not enjoy it on that level. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of just am doing what I like to, to, to read. Yeah. And I'm, I'm learning. And that's not to say that I'm like not learning. Um, but I just don't know if I want to understand writing on the level I understand music because right. I, I can't really listen to a lot of music anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to be able to watch my favorite shows now and again without going, oh, that's a really big uh, structural flaw that I see in that. <laughs> yeah, but it's such a it's always the consequence of learning, right? You end yeah, up getting... you eat from the tree of knowledge and then uh, that's the original sin, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and God said, you done fucked up. Yeah, that can't be coincidental, right? <laughs> that that the original sin was wanting to know more. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I I've been told to look up, um, ancient, uh, not ancient, I guess like rabbinic rabbinic or rabbinic of, uh, of rabbis, like rabbis theories on, uh, like the, the metaphor of the old Testament of the Torah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, I didn't help you with that word. Oh no worries. Way. I had no idea what you're saying, so I I just let you I work it out. And I was like, I, I think um, yeah, rabbinic, rabbinic. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, rabbinic. I kept going. I was like, I hope he, I hope he could help me out here. No, no, no. At some point, I just, I'm, I really not gonna, I'm not going to remember. I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> the blank stare for me. 
Um, that uh, I mean, so right. I mean that that'd be interesting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I well, don't. to like to to unpack those those old metaphors, you know. Yeah, I think we've spent enough time with the Bible. <laughs> like, do we need That's, another take on it? Yeah. Really? Like, <laughs> so all right, what does like, this like, fucking old it. fuck have to say about this two billion year old book? <laughs> that's caused so much death and war. Let's all right. Let's hear what is it? Open. It's open mic night tonight. Apparently, let's hear what you have to say about it. Yeah. I mean, there's gonna be. Well, I shouldn't. Oh. Okay, I read oh sure. Thanks, man. I got it. Oh, thanks, dude. Okay, good. Uh, your order will be right out. <laughs> uh. There's always a new uh, a revisionist look at, at at the scripture. People trying to whitewash it. I mean, modern American Christians like <laughs> depict Jesus as white. Mm-hmm. That's revisionist. They they try and whitewash it or try and I think liberals try and ignore the really awful parts about it and think that they can be spiritual or Christian but still uh, support. Um, lesbian like LBGQT causes which mm. the Bible is misogynistic it's sexist it's racist it's homophobic it's um, it supports infanticide uh, uh, what's that word Infant- infanticide infanticide mm-hmm. thank you infanticide is the way <laughs> I said it um, I, I have no time for words. I'm on a rant here. Oh, no, <laughs> that, that was my turn to not uh, be able to help you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Karma yeah, I, is I a couldn't, bitch. Yeah, because I couldn't. <laughs> I got it back. <laughs> um, it. But it, it's everything. We know what it is. Any, anything else yeah, is, revi- is revisionist. Yeah. And, and all I, revision, revisionism is blasphemy anyway. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's just always at war with itself <laughs> and with everybody else. Oh, God. Lowercase G. <laughs> I was, um, I found this YouTuber who, um, I, I didn't dive too much into his history or his story, his work and all that. Uh, but he did, um, two video essays on why Christian music sucks and, uh, why Christian movies suck. Mm. Like from a Christian perspective, I guess he's, he might be a writer, like a religious writer or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, and they were really interesting cause it's like, you know, he's like not to take away from the messages and all that. And like the goodwill of, of Christian music and of Christian stories generally, like there's a lot of, you know, the misogynistic things and whatnot. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, there's some nice parts of it, you know, where just being a, about, uh, practicing good behavior and like, mm. you know, polite behavior among other things, among mm. all the terrible things, you know? Um, but he said they're poorly written because they just, they don't as- associate with the outside world really like with secular society. Right. So they miss out on advances in writing in plots in in themes. And they're just so behind the times right. that um, they look like they were made for $5,000. <laughs> yeah, they like, are oh, that's really interesting. Made. <laughs> He's like, for all the good the Bible offers, it's like this is just not the way to talk 
<laughs> they're terrible movies. They're terrible. It's terrible music that just kind of panders to the occasional listener. Yeah. The, and I think that like when you're that entrenched in that belief system that you're making <coughs> movies and stuff in, in that genre, I think there is also you forget what it, it changes your worldview so much that that um the world that you create on screen isn't believable nor the world that we live in mm -hmm. and so i feel like they don't understand the full range of human emotions they don't understand sadness like a secular person does they don't understand happiness like a secular person does and so even when they're writing secular characters mm -hmm. in their movies they're they have a core of hope and religion in them yeah it, they just can't untrench themselves from that worldview mm -hmm. and so everything comes off mamby pamby in it you know it's very right. sunshine it's, and rainbows yeah and all the all the edges are 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 you know, smooth, smoothed out. Yeah. yeah. It's sandpapered off. Yeah. yeah. And so they just can't untrench themselves from mm -hmm. that. Whereas like, I think secular people have a pretty good grasp on what, <coughs> what a religious person believes. Like, I think we can depict religious people be because I think zealotry isn't, um, you know, uh, religion doesn't have zealotry to itself. It, it, it permeates a lot of belief systems. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah. I, I think, I think that's probably a, a big part of why I, I feel like I, I can identify a Christian song. Like if you needle dropped a song, it would take me <laughs> 10 seconds. And I, I, and there'd just be a vibe about it yeah. that I'd be like, this is Christian music. Yeah. I can just tell and I, and I think it's because they, they don't have that black festering pit in the, in the middle of their soul <laughs> like we do. Yeah. It's the sound of Christian music is just hmm. like just this satisfied sigh mm. of like, everything mm. will be okay. Everything's fine. Yeah. It's the, the dog in the, in the burning room, that comic. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like this I'm not fine. on fire, so I'm fine. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> yeah. The uh the even like suffering is is restructured and interpreted as like lessons, right? Yeah. And it's always it, it's like the greatest conspiracy theory. <laughs> it, 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 there's it, always a reason. Yeah, there's a reason. Mm -hmm. It's not chaos. Yeah. There's a reason and that it, even if you're, if you are suffering to think that it is for a purpose and a, a, a reason that makes sense with the framework of the way you view the world, it's comforting. So even in suffering, there's comfort. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think, um, I mean, I won't speak for all secular people or atheists, but I know for myself that there, the, the way that I look at the world is kind of cold. Mm -hmm. There, there is a um, indifference that I feel from the universe. Mm -hmm. 
that makes me see tragedy in a different way than they do. But I would say that it also reorganizes what I feel like is important in this life in a very healthy way. Yeah. And that would be the, the, the people that I get to spend this fleeting moment in reality with. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not looking at what comes after because I know nothing comes after. Yeah. And so that reprioritizes things for you. Yeah. And I think that, that, that that's a better way to view what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Helps you live in the moment. Yeah. Be in the moment. Yeah. And it, and it, and it's a bigger call to action to think that like, no one's going to come and save us. Like God's not going to help starving children. We have got to help starving children. Mm -hmm. God's not going to help your sister-in-law get over her cancer. Yeah. Doctors are going to help her get over cancer, cancer, mm -hmm. medical science. It helps you like actually help the world mm -hmm. because then you'd want to support medical research and doctors mm -hmm. and you'd want to help st starving children and people who, and you'd help people who are helping people with starving children. It actually makes an impact instead of just thinking that there is a, a bigger story that's being told. Yeah. It's like, no, we are currently telling the story and your story sucks. <laughs> You're not helping the story. <laughs> exactly. They, um, the way they see everything as a reason to, to proselytize and a reason mm -hmm. to involve themselves in politics and, 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 government it seems so i mean they're against that with like the the libs you know getting owned by the libs they're worried about that but they do that to everybody else like they go against their own philosophy all, all the time but yeah. I, I i don't know if they do, I, I, on the surface when we look we're on the outside looking into their process and mm. we look at it as hypocrisy Whereas, like, how can Mitch McConnell not hold a vote in an election year for Obama's nominee, mm -hmm. but do so for Trump's nominee? Yeah. How, that is clear hypocrisy. And he even said, I, hold my words against me. Was that oh, that was Graham? Lindsey Graham. Yeah. But, um, but Mitch McConnell in, specifically, and to them, I would say... Because he believes in a cause, not a process. Right. He doesn't give a fuck what the rules say. If you let him overturn abortion, he will. Yeah. And he'll do it by any means necessary. Yeah. That's called believing in something, motherfuckers. <laughs> I hate to tell everybody this, <laughs> but at least he fucking believes in something. He's making it and, happen. And let's let's even say that he's just evil for evil's sake. Let's say mm. he doesn't actually believe in overturning Roe v. Wade. Mm. Like I, I fine. It, there 
there is though that's the end game is yeah. to stack the court and whatever reason they're doing it for they're doing it for that reason yeah yeah all right exactly so they believe in something they believe in that reason why they're doing it yeah whereas so it makes perfect sense that he would lie or not hold himself to the same standard. He has a opportunity to achieve his goal. Yeah. And he's going to take it. Of so course. he's That's acting he's perfectly consistently in his belief set. Yeah. And I think this is going back to what I was saying. The Democrats problems are is that fuck the system mm -hmm. that like we need to be an active participant in this whole like equality and justice thing. Yeah. You know, it, it, you, it's not, we don't have a perfect, um, system of democracy in this country that cannot break. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we need to actively work to keep this country heading in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And Democrats are just so, reliant on the set of systems and laws. And I think my progressive friends are too, where, well, you know, um, well, hopefully Biden wins. And I'm like, well, what if he doesn't leave? And he's like, well, he, he, he'd leave. It's like, well, what would you do about it if he didn't? Yeah. Well, well, the, the, the army would take, I'm like, it's against, they go, it's against the law. And I'm like, laws only matter if you have the means to enforce them. Yeah. Do you have the means to enforce yeah. this guy to leave office? Do you have the means to resist? Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I think we do collectively. Um, but we, it's this trap of thinking that like the laws that govern us are going to save us. Yeah. Like they these so often don't, fail us. These people have an ethos and they're, it, and, and a lot of times they're not even going with like, they're not even circumventing the law. Yeah. You know, like this, this Supreme court thing is just like a, a tradition. It's not written that we can't fill a seat. It's just what they do. Yeah. It's just how they play the game. It's just how they've done it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, it, it, it's like it's clear that the law isn't perfect mm. and it's always optional yeah it's optional yeah to a to a, a large swath of people um in this country the law is optional did you see that uh when bezos was building his house in um dc he racked up sixteen thousand dollars or sixty thousand dollars it's one or the other, and the, sorry for the large disparity there. Um, yeah, a lot of money anyway. A lot of money, like an insane amount of money. Either way, isn't like too much for parking tickets. And it's like if it, if that were anybody else, they'd they'd have been in jail a long time ago. Yeah, that's why I really believe in um, uh, like finding people a like parking tickets are a percentage of your x amount whatever you know, uh, paycheck or whatever, however we want to measure that yeah. instead of just the flat, cause th flat fee. Cause $300 to me is a lot more than $300 to Jeff 
Bezos. He he's he just looks at that as like like yeah, I'll pay twenty five cents to park here forever. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care, and but he should like he should play by the rules. It should feel the same. Yeah, it exactly. should feel. He should has feel the nervousness everybody. of parking in an ex, in an expire or like your meter expiring or yeah. something or like. You know, uh, this is just like a parking space, but like, never mind, like that, that, that experience of like, not like fines or crimes being more of a, like a nuisance that you just can pay off yeah. goes all the way up to, um, Toyota not recalling their cars because they saw that the recall was going to cost them more than the punishment for killing people. Yeah. More than the like wrongful death suits. Yeah, the wrongful death suits. They were like they just worked them into their budget. Yeah, that's fucking disgusting. Yeah, and that 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 that's a dystopian nightmare. Yeah, that like some number cruncher saw death and worked it into a budget. Yeah, like that's so fucking sociopathic. Yeah, death caused by them, and not just death like as a result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like directly caused by. Yeah, like we're not going to tell people our cars have a fatal flaw in them. Yeah. And we're going to do this because it's cheaper not to. Mm -hmm. What was the one that caught on fire back in the 70s? Oh, I don't know. So when you hit hit it from behind, um, it would explode. Um, Oh. Not El Camino, was it? My Um, mom's high school boyfriend died no kidding. from that from explosion as oh my she God. says uh yeah that's not funny but it's just i heard my mom's voice when i was saying it but um we didn't believe her is is really the way the story goes is that she claimed that she had a high school my my mom she there's always a kernel of truth with it, but the way she remembers stories is often very heightened uh-huh. and, and, and she tends to exaggerate, but she doesn't <laughs> even know she's doing it. It's, she just has a very fanciful way of, uh, or fan, story. Yeah, fantasy way of, uh, fantastical. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm. Fantastical way of looking at the world. But, um, she said that she was dating this, um, guy in oh maybe it was college yeah it was college uh, she went to Plymouth State in New Hampshire and he was a hockey player and they him and his buddy were driving up to uh the White Mountains I think mm-hmm. something like that on 93 and they got rear-ended and the car exploded so this yeah. might be that car um, That's got to be it, yeah. Because I think it only happened the, not the one incident, but like the one, um, like general, the one company to let that happen. I think right. no one else let that happen again. She thought that they were carrying, like you, you know, back in those days, they you could go to the gas station and fill up like you know a canister. Of oh yeah. Yeah. So she was thinking that they had like, um, a canister of gas in the in the car, mm-hmm. but that might be her misremembering it. Cause I, I didn't know about this. Yeah. This, uh, car exploding thing either, but who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Or, Which I mean that I was thinking about those canisters recently. Cause I saw some guy, uh, walking on the freeway with him with one, um, 
recently. And I was like, oh, yeah, you could just put those in your car, though, can't you? And why? And why can you collect gas? And like, some people do it because they, it's like, um, you know, if you run out or something like that. But like, but like having one or something, like having one in the car. Um, that's super dangerous. I don't think yeah, you're allowed to that do always, it anymore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. how is that ever allowed, though? That seems like crazy, incredibly dangerous. dangerous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know how fast you're going? Like, that, this is a problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it was funny that you said that your mom, like, heightens things. My mom does the same thing. She was talking about this guy that she dated who was, uh, he was an, uh, an Air Force officer. And he, I think he was an officer. And he, like, refueled the, the planes midair. Like, he was the boom operator. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty cool, mom. Did you really date this guy? <laughs> And she's like, yeah, I think he wanted to marry me. And blah, blah, blah. like, they never saw each other again. And I was like, something, something doesn't add up here. I'm pretty sure my <laughs> wife's mom dated somebody in wings. Mm. I can't remember if I'm making that up. Or in the not. show wings. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, uh, from no, the it, band Wings. Oh, Paul McCartney's band Wings. I think he played with Wings, that makes or maybe way more like sense. I, there's a story there that like he he did the first tour with them or something like that. It wasn't like a main member or mm. whatnot. I don't know much about Paul McCartney's Wings. I don't know, but um, I don't know much about him. the show Wings either. I <laughs> never saw it. <laughs> I don't know why that was the first thing to pop into my mind. <laughs> uh, I haven't thought about that show in forever. I never watched it. Yeah, I never watched that. Was was um was what's his name in that show from uh from like Tommy Boy and Dave Dave David Spade? Was David Spade in Wings? No, he was in um Just Shoot Me. Oh. You remember that one? It was about uh, an ad agency Wait, or it was a magazine Spin city that he was in or the one, no, the one I'm thinking of for sure is, um, just shoot. What's me. spin city. I don't remember. Is that a thing? Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds like something. <laughs> <laughs> These are all in the nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That was like probably mid nineties. Right. Along with all those other ones with wings, <laughs> with wings. Yeah. And Seinfeld. Yeah. Seinfeld. I wish um, I wish filming in some capacity was possible, so Larry David could continue Curb in this time. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he, he hasn't done like a social distancing cast read or something like that. Mm-hmm. Be fun to see the Seinfeld people do like a Zoom cast read. Yeah. Have you seen any of those? No. They they did the Princess Bride. Oh, cool. And they did Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like, original cast comes back uh-huh. and, and re, like, does a table read, essentially, of the script That's over cool. Zoom. It's, it's cool. But it's just the, the everybody squares. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, like, they, they, there's, like, some production value to it where they'll cut. If there's, like, a character talking, they'll cut to them. And mm-hmm. you see the actor, you know, reading, reading the script. Like, yeah. Princess Bride, uh, Carrie... Whatever you you wheels, uh, you know that blonde fellow. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he he, you know he'd be reading the script and <laughs> it would like zoom in on him and all that. 
That's cool. Yeah. I saw there's some production. Yeah, I, I thought, I, I imagined it like a, a big family Zoom meeting. Yeah, I mean, essentially then, it is kind of yeah. kind of like that. Well, I was worried that it wasn't going to be as interesting or that it, uh, that it was going to be just as interesting and like, I just don't want to be here. <laughs> but that sounds way better than I thought. So. <laughs> I mean, uh, are, is your fa- does your family meetings normally have Billy Crystal in them? No, no. Well, there you go. So it's, <laughs> so it's that much more interesting just on yeah. face surface. I would like to talk to him about City Slickers because it's on Netflix and I was going to watch it again. What, what question would you ask <laughs> Billy Crystal about City Slickers? Um, was this really the humor of the time? Because I'm sorry, but I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Yeah. It was funny. It was quirky. It's kind of like the Burbs. Jack Palance is in it, right? Yeah, the guy. Oh, what else is he in? He's in so much. He's stuff. in a bunch of stuff. From yeah, that time. yeah. He's in a lot of. Um, I'm a really big fan of Mystery Science Theater, and he'll mm. he'll pop up in some of those movies. Mm. Jack Palance or Palance, however you say his last name. Mm. Um, he he's in he's in a a really classic one called Angels Revenge. Um. That is is considered a classic in the MST3K canon. <laughs> I don't know about this one. You don't know about the show? Uh, no, no, no. About him, like. T- oh, about being about- in that. Those. I mean, I don't know much about him either. I just know yeah. that he he's in some of those movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he did a lot, <laughs> lot of uh, B movies and stuff like that. So, did you like the? What was his name? What's his name? Uh, Patton Oswald on the revamp of Mystery Science. Oh Day. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Jonah Felicia Ray. Day. Jonah Ray is the new host of it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome. It was uh, Harmar Superstar is the band. I don't know them. Uh, Harmar Superstar. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of just a guy, um, but I had a couple friends who who um, played in his band, and I see them like playing as the they're like the bone guys in the background playing the. Oh, cool. Playing the music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool that it came back. It was weird. I, re- I remember it reminded me of watching it when I was a kid, I guess. And just thinking like, man, I can't watch these movies. It's only about the commentary. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. like all I care about. I'm not even into the movies, really. I, I love the sound of them, though. There, there's such a... Like mellow of vibe that old movies have specifically in the sound. I mean, I'm sure it's like part of like they're paced differently too, mm. which is really comforting. Well, it really matches the light too. That's yeah. that really soft, uh, mm-hmm. lighting. Yeah. And so like a lot of times, like when I'm watching like these mystery science theaters, I actually do enjoy like the movies too. I also just love, there's there's a little bit of element of um it was a popular like blog for a while awkward family photos uh i'm not familiar yeah it it was like a it was like a tumblr or like i forget how it started Mm. um but essentially it would be people submitting their old awkward family photos yeah and and it would just and they were so hilarious because Oh, there, wait, I know about this. Yeah, yeah, there's something about watching a movie that you, somebody put so much time into 
so earnestly and it's so bad that it's it's almost like slapstick or something. <laughs> There's something so funny about that to me and but I I really mean this sincerely. It's not in a mean-spirited way. I'm not make like I don't laugh at it in that way. It feels more I'm trying to unpack, uh, you know, it's, it's, is it like, um, like, I don't get what you were doing, but I like it anyway. Yeah. There's something it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it feels good to know that people still care about things passionately to see them through. Yeah. Yeah. That's really like when I see a bad movie, I see myself in it. I don't, I I see myself going like this guy or girl or whatever, whoever made this movie. It's like they had a vision and they fucking did it. And Mm -hmm. that's really cool. And you know, like sometimes the reason why a movie's bad is, is not because the people making it were bad, but they were hindered or handcuffed in some way by either running out of money or, Mm. or the studio cutting key elements. Like sometimes it's not that that's sort of the thing. Like sometimes it's just a comedy of errors. Yeah. Right. But, and so you never, it's never in a mean spirited way of laughing at somebody's quote unquote failure. Mm -hmm. It's more just this celebration of being blinded by a vision or or a singular goal and just having the goddamn confidence to see it through to the end like some of these movies i'm like did they even watch what they were filming (laughs) how can you just go yep that was the take let's leave it in yeah perfect yeah, on one I want two. that confidence. <laughs> I want like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like if any director came up to you and said, yeah, one take. Yeah. There, would, there's a brilliance in that. Like, like <laughs> the old story with like Stanley Kubrick is that he literally shot every angle, every take, every, he was meticulous about trying everything so that, I mean, his poor editor, I don't know who edited a lot of his movies. Maybe he did. Mm. Um, but there was like an obsessiveness to catch every possible way to do a certain scene. Mm. And like, there's such a claustrophobic vibe to that to me where I'm just like, eh, nah, that's Stanley Kubrick. Got it wrong. These B movie guys, (laughs) this is how you make a movie. Uh Like, I mean, this is just (laughs) so bonkers and bizarre and uneven. And there's, I really like that. I really like, the that aesthetic i love yeah you know moles and all right? yeah, yeah 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 moles and all i heard warts and all is the warts expert. and all oh that, I, but moles and all are warts and all that seems to flow better yeah and also moles are like go, you know <laughs> cindy crawford had a mole mm-hmm. and she was that's considered true. but who, warts uh, no one's really Warts. <laughs> We're still pretty uh, prejudiced against wart, yeah. warty people. <laughs> it's uh, that makes more sense considering like just how long ago that was. A wart, 
That was a uh, what a strange word. Yeah, <laughs> wart. It sounds like what it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Oliver Cromwell said it. So I was like, "What year was that? Sixteen hundred? Like sixteen hundreds? Damn." He said, "Warts and all." Yeah, he wants his portrait painted warts and all. Like he wanted to be true to the uh, to his depiction. Yeah, even there though you he go. was a bastard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, fuck that guy. But <laughs> look, the broken clock was right. Yeah, <laughs> twice a day. It's so hard to justify people, right? Like, um, I mean, it's it's easy to say like separate the art from the artist, or or looking in history at historical figures like. Oh, this is what they were dealing with and whatnot, but mm. um, like cancel culture now is like not putting up with any of that, right? And not yeah, putting up with yeah, any yeah. kind of compromise. Like, yeah, but Genghis Khan did connect all the civilizations, you know, mm. via trade routes. Oh, fuck. You know? Yeah, I mean, things are complicated, you know? Nothing's they, they, It's like. gray. It's always gray. There's yeah. always context. But... I go back and forth on this like a lot. I, I and I don't know if I've reached a conclusion yet for at least for how I want to conduct myself regarding uh, like in particular uh, this Morrissey mm. who has just become a complete. Well, he was always an asshole. Right. But he was my he was my asshole. Yeah. He was, he was, yeah, he was everybody's asshole. Yeah. Right? Like, and so his, his decline into right wing, um, reactionary rhetoric has been disappointing. And I go back and forth. I go, I, 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 on the one hand, the Smiths were highly influential and the music may have contributed to a lot of good in this world. Mm -hmm. It might have, it might have contributed because that's what we're trying to do. Right. Or at least what I try and do is I try and do the accounting for this. I try and crunch the numbers. Yeah. Whereas now his, his, <coughs> his, um, you know, right wing, uh, rhetoric that, that, he, he his spouts, outbursts, really. Yeah, his outbursts, they're causing harm in the world. And so what is the balance? And I try and really crunch those numbers. And then, but on the other hand, I go, we're talking about people's lives here versus me liking heaven knows I'm miserable now a lot. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why are you even giving this guy the benefit? It's a fucking song yeah. or an album or a, or a movie. Or a fill in the blank. It's just that. This is more important. Mm -hmm. It's This deals with... People deal with true existential threats mm -hmm. every day. And this asshole is facilitating that and leading to their demise and destruction and violence against them mm -hmm. in a very real and tangible way. I don't give a fuck that you strummed the guitar and went ah, like, <laughs> fuck you, dude. He didn't strum any guitars either. Yeah. yeah right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want to, uh, okay. Yeah. If you really want to break his balls. He didn't play any instruments. Yeah. Same. So you did. Ah, and, and I'm supposed to be like, all right, well let's hear Or not even let's hear the Nazi out because we're not doing that. That's not the question. We're just 
ignoring it. Mm -hmm. And when you ignore something, you're not dealing with it. And I think that it, it it's hard. I, and like I said at the beginning of this whole um, spiel, I, I don't know if I've come to a conclusion. There's probably something in the middle because I, I do know that people are complicated mm -hmm. and they can do a lot of good. You know, the Koch brothers fund uh, Nova. Mm. That's so important. Uh, uh, right. It's and a public service. And so it doesn't make up for all the bad that they've done in the world, but, but like, we'll take it. We'll but, take it. Yeah. We'll definitely <laughs> take it. But it just shows that like there, no one's like cartoony evil or good. It's not that clear cut. I mean, maybe Trump is the closest person to that like cartoon version of just pure evil. Yeah. Um, and was... his cronies. And I think that's why this is such a, a unique time in, in American history at least for the last couple hundred years because um, these people do feel like just pure evil to the core. Yeah. But usually people are a bit more complicated and especially artists mm -hmm. are a bit more complicated. Um, and I don't know how to deal with that yet. It's hard to deal with that because I think the uh, your enjoyment of their of the Smiths like at all will forever compromise that position, you know? Right. It always has to meet it somewhere in the middle because it's like, I already like the song. I don't, unless you heard it different after you heard his rhetoric, um, which I would argue is hard to, or unlikely. It's like, Oh, this is still a good song. Like how many Michael Jackson fans are there still? Um, I know, you know, it's like, I know. And, and like I said, I don't know if, <sighs> Man, it's like, uh, how can you, if somebody was like, yo, like Michael Jackson's music changed my life. Like it, 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 it brought me out of a, a situation or like whatever story they have attached to his music. How can you deny somebody that? Yeah. How can you deny somebody that, that, that truth that they feel is in their lives? And is there value in trying to tease out the artist from the art mm. like that makes me want to work hard so that they can keep that moment or that the way that that music means to them mm -hmm. and also get that artist out of the the spotlight or or try and minimize the harm that they're actually doing in the world but like putting them in a museum you know, it's like, this is how it used to be. Right. Like, we can enjoy this from a distance. Right. You know, don't touch it. Yeah. You know, but there it is for everybody to see. And also, like, I mean, if there's if we're speaking practically, like Michael Jackson, he's not molesting kids anymore, you know, so does it even matter if we listen? Like, a lot of this is performative, too, right? Like, I don't think Morrissey knows nor cares if I listen to the Smiths. Right. Like, and beyond giving them giving him money there's really no active harm in listening to the smiths except for that it adds to the zeitgeist at, at large which which I, what i mean is is that 
the willingness to overlook his rhetoric has a ripple effect on the way I view other things in society. Right. It's inter- it tends to be intersectional. Mm-hmm. If I'm willing to forgive Ryan Adams for what he did mm-hmm. because he made good music, or if I'm willing to at least, at the very least, ignore what he did, mm-hmm. that that tends to not just be the only area in my life where I'm willing to overlook injustices like that. Yeah. And, um, and those things tend to pile up where I'm actually having a cumulative negative effect on the world. I see what you're saying. In that case, it would be best to never, I mean, obviously never promote it, never, um, defend it publicly but if you enjoyed it on your own right without, i, I you know, mean i again i'm spitballing stuff, I'm, yeah. I'm sort of thinking out loud i don't know where i land on this i don't know oh yeah i'm working it out too that makes sense. I, I don't know what the right answer is and i don't know I, I mean i there's some artists that are easier than others like i had no problem like if i never hear another ryan adams song again i'm fine Right. Like I, I, he, I, he was always in my periphery anyway. I liked heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't think he was like, Me the, too. <laughs> I, I didn't think he was the next Dylan. Like everybody yeah. thought he was. Um, so I'm fine yeah. without his music personally. I don't, you know, th- we're, t- we're speaking on a purely, um, artistic level. Like, I'm not speaking, like, I feel like he should be at least, I mean, there should be some actual repercussions for what he did. Um, But I I can't speak to that, uh, like, of, like, the judicial part of it. I'm speaking just for me personally. You don't feel qualified to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm speaking personally for me and um, uh, listening to his music that. I could, the artist, quote unquote, Ryan Adams, I can take or leave. So Mm -hmm. it's easy for me. There's some artists that I'm, that are, um, probably harder to, to reckon with. And then there's, there's something like, I fully admit I watch football. Mm -hmm. It's hard to reconcile that in, into my belief system. Football? Yeah, it's awful. Like- it's awful for the players. Mm. Um, it's very militaristic. It promotes war, I think, and military. And it's uh, the way that they treated the players that kneeled were, was atrocious. That was, I mean, pff, I mean, was, that it, wasn't about football. There's that was clear just examples of like yeah. a re, uh, there's a million reasons why I shouldn't support this system. Right. It doesn't add up with anything else. Yeah. yeah. And, and I do. So why, if I'm, if I'm being hard on myself, like why, why do I do that? And I think at the end of the day, I try and remind myself that I don't have to do everything, but I got to do something. Yeah. And so it's just where you're, if where you're willing to cut, cut that line off. Um, just what you were talking about with hobbies and, and your work. It's like you want to do X amount and you're not going to write a book on it or you're not going to teach it or something. It's just like, I can right. do this much. I can offer this much. And this is more, this is a lot or or not like right. sometimes it's a lot sometimes it isn't either way it's an effort yeah and like it, people think it's an all or nothing gambit like um like with veganism i think 
a lot of vegans would love if people went vegan. And I, I believe that that's, I think that when we look back, I was vegetarian for many years. I'm, I'm not anymore, but that is more due to just my misanthropic. <laughs> we're all going to die. This is pointless beliefs. The nihilism that has sort of grown in me more than my belief um, that eating animals is wrong because I do think that um, I am actively doing wrong by by eating animals. Yeah. I think when we look back on the way that we farmed uh, the earth at large, um, it, we are it's going to disgust us. But tabling that for now, I, I, I vegans, sure, they'd love for everybody to be vegan, and I think it would be good for everybody to be vegan. But really, if everybody was just 50% vegan, the world would be way better. Mm. It, it doesn't need to be all or nothing. If everybody just did 20% more, yeah. the cumulative effect would be insane. Yeah. And I think that thinking about things in an all or nothing way is pro prohibitive towards progress. It's fatalist. It's like, it's not seeing any light at the end of the tunnel. It's just going on. Right. And I, I view that in, in, in a holistic way too, in my life of like, I try and watch where I'm spending my money. Yeah. I try and eat, um, green. I try and, um, donate money towards these causes. And I marched when there's a march and I protest when there's a protest and I vote and I, like I said, I was vegetarian and I do all these things. And then on Sunday I fucking let my gut hang out and watch some goddamn football. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you it's ever like, feel under attack by no, no, radicals? no, no. This is totally me attacking my, like this is just me putting up an argument that no one has ever given me. I think a lot of people, I'm just really uh, hard on myself. Oh yeah. Cause those, I mean, those people out there exist for sure. Like I wouldn't be surprised if you were surrounded by like critics of like how little you're doing when you're like, I look, I do all this stuff. Yeah. I'm making an effort. Jim Gaffigan has this great bit um, called McDonald's mm -hmm. and essentially, uh, I mean, I'm not going to even try and do the bit, but like the, the gist of it is that his friends are always shocked when they find out he eats at McDonald's mm -hmm. and he's like, everybody has their McDonald's. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, I eat at Ma McDonald's. You read people magazine. <laughs> That's your McDonald's. Yeah. You do this. You do. Everybody has. And so you've got me, some one like detestable. hobby yeah, of yours. Well, mm -hmm. and but for some people, it's not one. Mm -hmm. And that's the number that I'm more. Yeah. Curious about or I think is more important. How many McDonald's do you have? Yeah. And like, are you <laughs> making sure that you're keeping track of that so that your McDonald's, quote unquote, ends up at the end of the day net zero? Yeah. So it's like, all right, you're, you're dying of thirst and you have to buy a bottle of water because you forgot your water container. Mm -hmm. All right. There's one more plastic bottle in the world. What are you going to do? How about you don't eat meat for your next meal? Yeah. 
Like do keep track. Yeah. You know, do do the math on yeah, it. If we're keeping score, keep score. Keep score. Yeah. And and I think if everybody just had a little bit of that in them, it, we'd find a much more balanced society that is constantly making progress on these sort of things, especially yeah. environmental. This this is this is a an idea that is particularly important in environmentalism of like convincing people that being an environmentalist doesn't mean that you're biking to work mm-hmm. and your house is solar powered and you're a vegan and you have to do these crazy things. It's like, just do one of those things. Yeah. Every now and again, like yeah. bike to work once a week. Yeah. Even that is better. It's something. Yeah. You know, it's even a move, just a little step forward beyond anything else. Exactly. Most people are not doing anything, but look at how, look at if you talk to a right wing person on like what they think we want everybody to live like it's Mm. fucking bonkers. And no wonder that they're scared of us. Like they think that we want every meal to be a salad on their like government mandated bike that powers their light bulbs in their house because it's totally off the grid. Like they're, yeah. they think that we, and I think that a lot of the messaging does imply that, that there's no room for people just pitching in a little more it's like it's either got to be you've got to be a vegan you got to be a a thing Mm -hmm. or it's not working yeah and that's not true that's not how we're going to solve this (laughs) whatever this is whatever problem we happen to be talking about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it, it seems like um it could be a oh thanks it could be like a defense mechanism, like fear of failure. You know, if you can't 100% be a vegan, there's no point. Yeah, maybe. Which isn't fair, like to, it's being too harsh on oneself, right? It's like, right. just, just try it. Just see what, ha- like anything else. Like if, if you want to learn how to play uh, football, like if you want to join like a local team or something, you know, it's like, does that mean you have to dedicate your life to football? No, it means it can do a little bit of it. Yeah. There's also like, I think there's this weird phenomena where if you're at a party, right. And everybody's drinking and this guy comes in and the host is like, Hey, welcome to the party, man. What, 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 what can I get you to drink? And the guy goes, Oh, I actually don't drink. Can I, can I have a water? There's this tendency to feel like there's an implied judgment in that statement from the person who doesn't drink to the person offering a drink there. There is just something about somebody doing something like that that <laughs> tends to off-put other people because they start to question well, their own choices. Well, well, do yeah. Well, what's wrong with drinking? I drink. Like what? There's some. There's it. It sets some your mind off in that way for some reason. I don't know why. Well, it could just be um, subjectively an unfortunate you know, use of words, it could be better phrased. Yeah. To just I say, mean, uh, no thanks, you know, right. And that doesn't yeah. hurt anybody's feelings. That just means I don't want to drink right now or ever. You won't know. 
Yeah. You know? Maybe that, maybe that, maybe you've hit on something there like that, that, that the reason why it implies that is that it is so it's giving information that you didn't really ask for. Like you asked if right. they wanted a drink and the answer was no. Let me tell you about my position on this. Yeah. In not so many words. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Like saying I don't drink is a statement that begs to be talked about almost. Mm -hmm. Ask me about how I don't drink. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Do you I want to follow we, up with, oh, why? Uh, we can both <laughs> agree that those people are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Sober people. Oh, God. They are the fucking worst. They're the best and the worst, I think, because they. When my friends are like, hey, uh, uh, like, uh, I'm sober. I'm like, oh, get out of here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sober from what, though? Because sober never, almost never means uh, abstaining from weed. Oh, it never means that. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's not fair. Usually means booze. Yeah. I'm not, I'm Which not, is fine. That's great. Like, yeah. but to say you're so, you just need a different word. Sober is not it. Sober doesn't sober ass too much. They they don't need a different word. They need a drink. <laughs> I used to say I didn't trust people who didn't drink. It's a pretty good rule. Kinda. It seems a little harsh too, though, because it's like speaking of that, it's like some people just don't drink, and that's fine. You know. Yeah, some people aren't big drinkers, and mm. and some people were big drinkers and actually need to get sober because alcohol ruined their lives. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, that's I'm not real. talking about those people. Like those people, like you're. Being sober is one of the the hardest things to do, and I commend you, yeah. good madam or good sir. I'm talking about my friends who are like, oh, I'm sober. I'm like, get. What, who's more annoying, those people or the people who are like, no, I got to run tomorrow at 6 a.m.? Oh. Because I, I, I No, those also. people. I, I just gave you more information. I pity those people. <laughs> the, people the, the early morning. My wife is an early bird. Oh, I, 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 I don't know how. I've become an early bird. You have? Yeah. Dude, everybody it took a it, long time. Took everybody's like, you're gonna you're gonna change like it, they always like attributed my night owlness to like me being young. You know, like it, it, yeah. they they were always like, That's gonna change when you even my friends who have uh been like, you know, I'm starting to get up earlier, that happens when you get older. I'm like does I, I haven't experienced that. Like I literally <laughs> Just it, I'll get up at 9 a.m. and I'll feel nauseous that I'm up so early. Mm. I'll, I'm getting eight you just hours, have a different schedule, yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. getting eight hours every night. It's just that my eight hours is a different span of time than other people's, and like I feel like it has nothing to it's just people's natural rhythm, yeah. Like, I don't think it's an old thing, a young thing. I think young people maybe are able to. <laughs> to um manipulate their rhythm better mm -hmm. maybe is the way i think it's possible but i it, worked at it only because i wanted to i had never been a morning person so i wanted to what, try what 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 uh made you want to do that like what inspired you um working in a restaurant when i had to write when i was writing for all things go um and that's how we met, right? It was yeah. through all things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah you, you did a, a great review of oh, my thanks. album. Yeah. It was solid, One of my man. favorites, actually. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. I wasn't, I wasn't like fishing for that. <laughs> no, I'm all that's paranoid. All like fish, fish away. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what was I just saying? 
Uh, you were talking about your morning rhythm and how you got into it. What oh, inspired you? That's your right. writing for all things go. Right, right. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, uh, so I had to write on East Coast time, and then go to work by like eight, eight thirty, something mm-hmm. like that. So I just wanted to be up so I could do both and like not only like keep writing, doing what I wanted to do, but like also gain uh, like uh, maintain that income. Uh, along with a restaurant job. Yeah. And um, so I just had to wake up early. I didn't yeah. have a choice. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I ended up just like getting used to it. Now I feel weird if I sleep too late. Like I slept till nine uh, the other day and I was like, I usually wake up at least by eight or at most by eight. Oh um, man. And it was only an hour and I was in, no, just like, <laughs> I get it. Like I was annoyed with myself. I was like, this, it doesn't matter. Like I'm still well, no, awake. There, you, know? you should do what <laughs> feels good in your body. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, I think there is still like, like I was talking to my friend. I was like, yeah, man, I just can't get to bed before midnight or like, usually I'm like up till like about one or two and I sleep till like nine or 10. And he's like, he, he, had this rea- like reaction that he was put on the defensive of for getting up early. Mm-hmm. Like I was criticizing his choice or his natural rhythm to get up early. He's he's like, well, we're not all like, um, I forget what he said, but it, it, it exactly. But it, it essentially implied that I was calling him an old fart <laughs> for getting up early. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm saying it as a matter of fact that I'm just not a morning person. Yeah. I'm not, it's not a critique on the way that like I had a little moment of, I don't drink apparently. Yeah. You know, that was that I'm like, I'm not making commentary on the way that your body feels the best throughout Mm -hmm. the day. Like that's fine for you. It's, I wonder if it's also that like, they think you're boasting that you can afford to wake up later. Yeah. Do you think anybody takes issue with that? I wonder Maybe. if anybody's that sensitive. I never even thought of that. I just thought of that right now. I didn't yeah. even considered it. Yeah. I, I mean, that was certainly not where he was coming from because mm. he could also... Aff- well, no, he probably wakes up early for his work. But uh, I mean, maybe it's that. I never interpreted it, interpreted it as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, perhaps. I don't know. I felt bad for not being able to go to work like or not um, being able to go to shows. Yeah. Uh, because I, I couldn't shoot. Now I can't shoot. I've, I haven't shot a show in seven months. Mm. The last one was at Lodge Room. Um, what was it? Uh, Little Smokies. This, uh, I think they're from Pennsylvania. I don't they, know um, them. Uh, this bluegrass group. Oh, and I was like cool. on a bluegrass kick and I happened to get a pitch from uh, I can't remember the label, but um, they they pitched this record, and I was like, "Oh man, this is really cool!" Nice. So I ended up covering a show, and uh, that was the last one before uh, before COVID. Yeah, and I'm like, I haven't done that in forever. I've been really focusing on the live stream. Like I've I've started to set up the studio that we're in to. Um, really be conducive to live streaming not because i think that it's going to last forever i think i think we're going to be at shows next year i think i i to me i see a light at the end of the tunnel and i 
and I don't see it all the time, but I, I'm in a current frame of mind that I, I do see an end to this in sight. Um, it's not soon, but it is coming. Mm-hmm. So anything I do here, I want it. I'm doing because I do feel like I'll continue it. There's or there's value in learning these things to continue after this is all over. Exactly. Um, and one of them is is um, live stream and um, and Zoom too. Like I think I think I'll definitely use Zoom for co-writing across the country and for playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I'm yeah. playing, uh, I have a buddy Aki uh, w- who's in a, a awesome band called Lake Street. Well, I knew them as Lake Street Dive. I think they're just Lake Street now. Um, Lake Street Dive, I know them. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and he plays with me. He, he and I played D&D together. Nice. Uh, on Thursday nights. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm... And he's on the East Coast uh, is the yeah. point actually. And so I'll have to continue with on Zoom with him anyway. So, did you buy stock in Zoom yet? No. <laughs> I feel like I missed that boat. Me too. I was so mad like when it when it became like when it just destroyed Skype as a brand. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, I guess like my first stock should have been uh, with Zoom. Like where did <laughs> Zoom even come from? I never I, heard of them. Like every all of my pe- all, all the people who are like in corporate jobs had heard of it. Yeah, I apparently it's been pretty ubiquitous and or not maybe not ubiquitous, but they had been learning about it or or, or they know about it in that world. Uh, I heard that it was um, it was the corporate Skype. It was more stable. It was yeah. like they had a lot less users um, than the like they didn't really they weren't really used by the general public. Um, it never uh, there once in a blue moon does a uh, does a computer program do exactly what I want it to do in the way that I feel like it should. Yeah. It's usually you, it either does something and you have to really tinker and figure out how to do it. Or it's really easy to use, but it doesn't do anything you want it to do. (laughs) It's usually one or the other. And zoom is that weird mesh of like, like everything works so well on it. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm always like, because I run a lot of Dungeons and Dragons on it mm-hmm. and it's just so seamless. It's just so good for, at, at least for doing that, um, you know, teaching a class on it, like teachers have to do. I, I have no idea what, if, if it, if it, if it works. Cause wouldn't you rather be at a table with, uh, Oh, D&D? as far as dun- Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons is best experienced in person, in right? person. Yeah. 100%. Like, a lot of things are best experienced in person, but we make sacrifices because the world is getting a little bigger. Um, oh, for sure. You like, know, there's but, every reason to. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I will say that Zoom, my parents live on the East Coast. They still live in New Hampshire, where I'm mm-hmm. from. And I, my mom plays Dungeons and Dragons with me. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. She, she suffered from a stroke um, a little over... Uh, well, about three years ago, actually. Now it's been mm. about three years, and um, it was one of those strokes where it affected her memory and cognition more than it wasn't like the droopy mouth right. stroke. It was like a deeper stroke in her thalamus. Yeah, and so a lot of she, she went through a process of relearning a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say like good days, she's about 90%. Yeah. 
you know like she there's still been a a, a change in her yeah um that's undeniable but like she the mind was a pre, is a pretty amazing thing and she was able to mend it to a certain point um but just my parents getting older in general plus the stroke um i'm worried that she's going to like lose her cognition and dungeons and dragons with the dice and the math and the mm. storytelling is so engaging for her and to be able to do it over zoom like that is is brought us closer together and i've always been close with my family mm-hmm. but like just that is something that the technology has brought to my life that i feel like is just straight up bringing us closer together not alienating us which technology is often labeled as doing oh yeah but you it's know? not the same as um being on your phone at a show or a bar or something and not talking to people. Right, right, right. But you're probably talking to to somebody. You're just not talking to the person that's there with you. Yeah. And there's like when I I don't know what level of communication scrolling through Instagram is, but it feels like a form of listening. Wouldn't you reason that people are putting something out and you are in the active vibe of with it listening yeah so i i don't know i feel like social media or i think in te- i think technology as a whole gets a bad rap mm-hmm. just in general i i think that a lot of technology is a tool and you can use a hammer to build a house or you can use a hammer to bash somebody's skull in mm-hmm. doesn't mean the hammer is inherently evil or good um, and I find a lot of technology, not all, but mm. a lot of technology is, is that way as well. Um, Oh, hundred percent. And so I don't know, like I think people are too hard on people on their phones and all that stuff. Well, do you remember the, uh, there was a meme going around a long time ago. It was like, uh, an old expression boomers would say of like, uh, people are so impersonal now. Nobody talks to each other. And there was an, a picture from the forties of people on a train and everybody had newspapers on like big new, like the right. entire thing. Nobody was talking to each other. Right. Right. You know? Right. Like, we've always done this. You exactly. Know? It, it does feel like every generation has the thing that they criticize the younger one for. Like, you know, radio was going to rot your ears. TV was going to rot your eyes. The internet's going to rot your brain. Mm-hmm. Like it, and I don't think it's wholesale false. Like I don't, I do think that social media has had a negative impact on our society in some ways. I'm just not willing to just dismiss it outright right? for the burgeoning thing that it's created in our culture. Cause keep in mind, like this is also like new Mm-hmm. We're brand new. We're in a brand new democracy with a brand new technology. Like the internet as we know it has only been around, you know, maybe 15 years. And, and as I know, it could be even a stricter definition of like maybe when I got my first iPhone. Yeah. That's when we and that's only what? Yeah. That's about 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Can, when was the first out. iPhone? Oh, five. Oh, seven. Uh, oh seven. Oh seven. So 07. 13 years. Yeah. And I didn't get my first iPhone until like, I, I, I couldn't afford it when it first came out. So I was waiting. I think I got my first iPhone in like, oh eight, maybe 
yeah. but probably 09. I didn't get one till 2012. 2012? I you held so. out for a while. Yeah. I had a... It didn't do internet stuff, right? But like I could text. It was quick. Like, yeah. There was yeah, yeah. there was a game on it I didn't play. Um, and I and it I could take pictures that were terrible. But um, yeah, uh, I don't know. But it was functional. Right. And most right. of my friends didn't really have anything beyond that either. Uh, my one friend got a uh, he started going to MI Musicians Institute. Yeah. And part of his uh, with. Uh, part of his loan he bought himself a an, a new iphone or no it was an ipod oh it geez. was uh but the digital one the the ipod uh the iphone looking one mm-hmm. and um it was the coolest thing ever this thing had a little and like little trash can game like where you throw crumbled paper into a oh tra- i remember that remember game that? yeah, 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 like yeah that yeah. was the coolest little like wow games are so cool now yeah yeah it was they one friend they took give those away for a period of time. They were giving those iPad iPod touches. I think they called right, it. Right, right. They were giving them away with yeah. laptops. You bundle, yeah, with yeah. your laptop or like a cell phone plan or something. Yeah, so something, get they get like a free iPod touch. Um, I no, I'm with you. I uh, I I think technology gets a bad rap. I see the danger. Obviously, like we there is a danger. Too. There's like a tangible, real danger. Yeah, and misinformation spreads. I mean. Look at Facebook. Like Facebook is objectively doing harm to democracy. Yeah. Like the and the way that misinformation spreads on that site mm-hmm. is is um not a like a coincidence. It is the, the built to spread misinformation, I believe. Like Right. And so like I'm not dismissing that or hand waving that away. I understand that social media can have a negative impact and, um, and it, and I think it generally has in our society. It's that I want to make sure that we're understanding why it has. And it's not because having instant access to a network of people or being able to communicate with somebody who isn't in your in the room with you is inherently bad. It's that we are using it for bad. Mm-hmm. And that says more about us than it does about the technology. Yeah. There like was I saying- should be able to look at my friend's pictures on my phone without thinking that I'm ruining democracy. <laughs> Like we can tease, like I, I believe in yeah, us. I believe achievable. that we can tease those two things out. <laughs> like I believe in us. I think we can do that. So what would it be like TikTok? It would be accountability <laughs> and content hmm. curation. Yeah. It would be stricter community guidelines that actually have rhyme or reason. It's moderation. Mm-hmm. It's it's having moderators. That's how you figure it out yeah and and um and that requires you to take a position on things and companies don't want to they want to remain neutral as much as possible they do not want to take a position on on really anything and have a worldview 
They try and be everything to everyone. And having community guidelines, you're inevitably going to run into having to make a moral decision mm. on something. And this really ties into what we were saying about Democrats. They refuse to have a moral view on something. Yeah. Like, I don't it's just a care it's that... It's a serious misstep. I don't care that we're doing the same thing that a Republican did. Like, I don't care that we're cheating in the same way that a Republican is cheating. Mm -hmm. Because cheating is only wrong when you want to cheat to gain a foothold of white supremacy in this country mm -hmm. or take choice away from women. Mm -hmm. That's when cheating's wrong. It's the it's what they want that's evil, not how they're going about it. Mm -hmm. And um, companies don't want to do that. They don't want to be like, yeah, we're going to let po people post this, but not this, because what you're posting is wrong. Yeah. But at, I think at the bare bones of it, cheating is... is uh, wrong when both sides agree that it's wrong right so like it's it kind of how the cold war was like they're building nukes so we have to we have to stay ahead you know it's it's a not doing that means your destruction well i i don't agree with what the first part you said but then the second part felt unrelated to me like when i heard you say that cheating is wrong if both sides agree um, I disagree with that premise. Well, in the sense that if you're going to cheat, if we're playing a game that neither of us can get out of, like we, we're stuck playing this game together. If you're cheating, I have to cheat too to stay ahead of you. Right? Oh, I see. Like if you're yes. cheating, well, I that's have what to I'm cheat. saying. Yeah. That, that, that's what I'm saying that it, it means my, if the goal is to win. Yeah. If the goal is to survive. In any well, sense. but and right, that's what we're talking about. We're mm -hmm. talking about like I'm I'm if we're bringing this conversation into the into American politics where one side believes in white supremacy, inequality, um, they're misogynistic, they're sexist. And like I am I think the other side should cheat to win. Oh, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I give Democrats full permission yeah. to cheat to win against those yeah. evils. We have to destroy this. Yeah. By any means. And like that, like, I think a lot of progressives would scoff at that notion and would wrinkle their nose at the idea of abandoning the rules they want so bad for the rules to work. Yeah. Because then yeah, they don't they have don't. to put any work in themselves. They're like, we've set up the system, the system so that works. it can't break. Yeah. Remember, this is we kind of keep going back to this idea. Thomas Jefferson said. Yeah. 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 It's like, fuck. Thomas Jefferson fucked and owned slaves. Yeah. It, he... Like, great that they built a nice little document <laughs> that had a nice little de democracy built in mm -hmm. that um, was highly influenced by a lot of French philosophy and 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 great. I'm very happy that everybody loves a piece of paper with a lot of words on it. But 
it wasn't perfect. It didn't include everybody. And America has been an experiment on updating this document to try and make America better. Since day one. Since day one. Yeah. Our idea of justice has changed in this country and it is a living breathing entity that needs to constantly be watered and constantly maintained Mm -hmm. it is not a like unchanging truth in america that democracy exists Mm -hmm. it is something that we need to constantly build together yeah we have those young like naive beliefs that we're we've got this yeah 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 without even trying yeah and it and it and it's not like that and and i think that being unwilling to circumvent law and political decorum Mm -hmm. to achieve a more just system is in itself ignorant at the my most generous Mm -hmm. and fucking evil in my least generous. Yeah. I, I, I really think that Democrats hiding behind decorum is uh, at best a w- being a willing participant to the downfall of democracy. You have to stand up yeah. and fight for stuff. It's self-destructive. Yeah. It makes me wonder about the, the bigger game. That they're playing like maybe there is a reason you know well the, and that's the tinfoil hat thing tame, i was like yeah, it's I, and i don't want to get into the both sides yeah. thing because i don't think there's much truth to it sure look do i think biden biden is a republican by any other measure except for american politics mm. um hillary clinton was a republican i think Ob- obama was obama to me was a centrist mm-hmm. he was as close to a progressive candidate that we've gotten in my lifetime yeah. as, as far as a, a nominee for president. Right. I think Bernie Sanders would have been better. I was a big Dennis Kucinich guy back. Yeah, Kucinich was yeah. great. He was right on so many things. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think he was ever going to be cut out for politics. When I look back, I'm like, that that was never going to happen, he man. Was, he was a little timid. And he was just such a weird guy. And like... It, it, you know, I think he got into politics really young. He was the youngest mayor in Cleveland, Ohio history. Oh, wow. And um, and he, he. He essentially. Answers the question, like, what if somebody never played the politics game? Mm-hmm. What would that look like? And what it would look like is a man like Dennis Kucinich, who got into politics that politics really young. Like I think AOC is maybe a modern day version of Dennis Kucinich in a mm. lot of ways. She came in, um, really like riled up to change things mm. and they just mercilessly attack her. And, but I think she's more savvy than Dennis Kucinich. I think she understands, um, how to build a coalition mm-hmm. better than he, and maybe even better than Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, think, she's more contemporary. Yeah. And I think they're, I think the younger generation of polit- politicians are just as uh, maybe not idealistic as the older generation of Bernie Sanders and Dennis Kucinich, but they're just, I, there's just an essence of like, 
Well, who knows? AOC is it's she's still young in her career, so I might be wrong about this, but I think she's going to get things done, and I think she's going to get things done in a way that Bernie and Dennis Kucinich couldn't get done mm-hmm. for that ineffable. I'm having a hard time putting a putting a word on it, but there's just a savviness to it that doesn't feel. Um, it's a savviness without taking away any principle that I think she has, which I don't know yeah. how she's able to do or maintain. And we'll see. Maybe 10 years from now, she'll be out of pot- politics just like Dennis Kucinich is. You know, who knows? Maybe maybe there is a culture in Washington where these people won't survive, but I have high hopes for her. She She is currently, I think, the hardest working person and the most... Um, uh, brilliant young people in Washington right now. Mm-hmm. I love watching her like just takedowns of of people on the stand. You know, you yeah, ever seen and the just way she uses Instagram, so like great. it feels like the new fireside chats that FDR used to do. He revolution. He used TV to his advantage, and like we can see how powerful TV still is in our culture because we have a fucking reality show TV star as a fucking president. Yeah. And so she really is, I think utilizing social media in one of those ways that feels connecting and uh, coalition building yeah. and, yeah. and, and feels powerful. And, um, and I think that is part of why she's been so successful thus far. Again, she doesn't have too much to her name. Um, uh, resume wise in, in Washington, at least to my knowledge, like um, uh, she might have co-sponsored bills and stuff like that. Like I said, she's very early in her political career, mm-hmm. but like I, from my vantage point, she's doing everything right. Like I think yeah. I, I'm just so excited. If this is the new wave of what politicians look like for our generation, I couldn't be more excited. Oh, for sure. We need more than one AOC. Uh, yeah, and I I, do, I think we I think we do, and and I think it's telling that that this energy is primarily coming from women mm-hmm. and people of color, mm-hmm. and like I don't f- that feels it's finally completely appropriate to me yeah. because they're the ones that are like affected by all these decisions. Yeah. <laughs> like they would be the ones most fired up because mm-hmm. they've been fucking dealing with it their whole lives yeah. of this injustice. They feel it again. It's that, it's that idea that it's at their footsteps. Yeah. They are England after world war two, you mm-hmm. know, that it's the fight is at their door and they can't ignore it. They don't have the luxury like I do as a white male mm-hmm. to ignore the injustices, um, that I can. Yeah. And I, consider myself super politically active Mm. and I'm sure there's stuff that I try and tune out just for my own mental health and other people do not get that luxury. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think this new wave of people in government are reflecting those stories of people that the fight came to their door Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful to see, to be able to support these, um, underrepresented voices. It feels important and it feels um like we are in i mean we're in a very turbulent time that historians are going to have a field day (laughs) dissecting after yeah but they give me hope yeah like a a lot of um questions and interviews uh are tend to be like getting to know me because a lot of the readers don't know el bell or yeah or 
anything I do. So. These are your common questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, when did the band form and, and stuff like that. So when I get the opportunity to do like a podcast like this where I can talk about anything I want, yeah. I tend to like never talk about me really or at <laughs> least me in regards to music. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it's so often, uh, it's not very often I get to talk about politics and an interview or talk about... Um, you know, other things other than who I am when the band formed and yeah. the new record. But well, it makes sense. I mean, I, like I'm not with spin, you know, right. Like, I'm not <laughs> with vice or well, vice, I think would pull this off. They yeah. do. They do. Right. Um, but yes, yeah, like, yeah. Any other publication or, or outlet just doing Q and A's, you know, where are you from? Who's your favorite band? And yeah, I think I asked you that in the beginning <laughs> the last time. maybe those are pretty interesting questions though yeah. i mean it's good to know th- uh what my favorite band is what is my favorite band it's so hard that's changed over the years for sure yeah i i feel weird now looking back thinking like i had a favorite band because i can never narrow it down now yeah yeah, like yeah. back in the I don't know back in high school I guess it was like well back not even that long ago a few years ago it was easy to just say Radiohead was my favorite band or Morphine was my favorite you know top yeah. five um, oh wow yeah I know, something I, like that I, I, I was in the Boston music scene for a while with uh, Dana and like the high and dry guys Oh yeah, yeah. I I didn't know that you were a Morphine fan. I I don't know my, that that was like I came to Boston after uh, Mark had already died and and all that. So I didn't know him. I didn't. I, it felt like people like would talk about the scene in a way that I I didn't know. But I, I am friends with a lot of those guys that were there. Oh no, kidding. you know, yeah, yeah. I watched um, that documentary uh, not too long ago. Uh, what was it called? It sounded. It sounds like until the light takes us. It was something like that. That that's okay. a that's a black metal documentary, uh, but it sounded something poetic like that. You know, okay. and, uh, Journey of Dreams. There mm. we go. Journey of Dreams, and it was like you know the highlight on Mark Sandman, but right about about morphine within the scene a little bit. It was really cool. Yeah, I should check it out. I bet. Like like I said, I came to Boston after it had already happened. Yeah. So you just kind of hear like the legends, like, you know, you hear the stories and stuff like that. And, um, and, and so, um, it'd be interesting to see it. Yeah. Um, it, it was interviewing every, like everybody contributed to it. It was like a, a crowdfunded effort too. Oh, wow. Yeah. I probably, like, <laughs> I probably know a bunch of people in the doc. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. They, they've been one of my favorites for a long time. But again, like going back to like the whole top five idea, top 10, whatever ranking system. Yeah. It's always a good idea. Top five, is, you know, top five is good. Yeah. Well, what's your top five favorite bands? And like, don't think too hard about it. You yeah. can just uh, just shoot from the hip. Uh, Radiohead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Morphine, Morphine, you said. Yep. Yeah. Morphine. Credence Clearwater Revival. Uh, great. Yeah. Wow. Uh Kings of Convenience. Do you know them? Do you know uh, Royksop or... Um, yeah. The Whitest Boy Alive? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, that guy uh, in Kings of Convenience was with another guy whose name I, c- I couldn't pronounce. Um, I don't think I could pronounce. Uh, 
yeah, one of my favorite, just two piece, like one acoustic bass, one acoustic guitar. And these guys, like maybe they have a piano in the back, you know, maybe yeah. they have a, a third vocalist and it's just them harmonizing together. It's really yeah, like, uh, in sort of in the spirit of Simon and Garfunkel, not as arranged though. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then, uh, who else? Yeah. You get one more. Some. Uh, some punk band, uh, Dead Kennedys, probably. Yeah, <laughs> nice. And Jello Biafra had a huge influence on my like political thinking from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. cool. How about you? Um, hmm. well, I would definitely have to uh, REM for mm. sure. Um, probably Nirvana. Uh, like Kurt Cobain is why I started playing guitar. Oh yeah. Like that was the first, Oh, I I could, I, I want to do that. Yeah. Like that was that moment for me. Yeah. Never mind. Remember listening to the cassette tape in like sixth grade, I think, um, over my friend Mike Phillips house. <laughs> Would you have gotten tr- in trouble for listening to it? No, no. Uh, I was really into hip hop, which my dad hated. <laughs> uh, so he really loved it when I got back into like rock music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He's come. Around, he he was like one of those dudes that was like, hip hop's not gonna last. It's gonna be a fad. He like he likes it now. Like he get he gets the ta- like he didn't see the talent in it before, and now right. he like sees it. Yeah. Um. And my dad's like, you know, he, he's he's like a hippie, right? It it doesn't come from like a a racist place. It comes from like he likes like Crosby, Stills, Nash. He believes like people need to like sing and stuff. He 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 hated how. He they just talked essentially. He didn't see like any like talent in that. Yeah, you know. And so, but he's he's come around to that. But uh, anyway, uh, he was happy when I started getting into Nirvana. I think he (laughs) he wanted me to play guitar and sing. You know, and um, he wasn't like in love with Kurt's vocals, but it was still like guitar. It was still like songwriting and stuff like that. He also didn't like how um, hip hop music sampled stuff. That like irked him for some reason. Oh, really? That's like, yeah. yeah. That's, it, well, because I mean, they're to like everybody, the fascinating part of it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it would be like, um, uh, yeah, he would just be like, well, they didn't write it and they didn't do this and they're not singing. Like, what am I supposed to be enjoying about this? You know, he didn't see. He didn't, I see. I see where he's coming from. Like, if he's going to really deconstruct it. Yeah, yeah. Well, my dad deconstructs everything. So, but, it, like, but it's only like four steps you know to deconstruct it's like okay he's not singing uh this is someone else's background music <laughs> yeah 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 it's like, okay cool. um, um yeah i i see what he's saying 100 percent disagree but yeah totally yeah totally well and he would disagree at this point now too like um even though like i don't catch him listening to like hip-hop or like uh, just by himself Mm -hmm. uh he's definitely like he he gets it now he's learned to appreciate it especially since he's begun recording himself Mm -hmm. and using recording software he's starting to see how like cool it is to make like tracks and stuff like that and how much meticulous talent it takes to like find a cool groove yeah like he's starting to appreciate that just like in an actual like real experienced way. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think he totally, uh, gets it now. Um, That's cause he is a musician yeah. by the way, that should be context to this conversation too. He play he plays the music that he loves. It's like this folk b- rich harmony, 
like the Eagles, um, the band, mm-hmm. like just like this rich harmony and soft acoustic music. And like he he would, you know, kind of dismiss anything else. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a like click in itself or a, a genre in itself or a scene. That's the word I'm looking for. A scene in itself. Right. Yeah. Where everybody just listens to that area, you know, of yeah. the spectrum. Um, and then I would say my three others, R.E.M. Nirvana. That was quite a tangent. We went on in <laughs> hip hop music. No, hip hop music and my dad, which I never thought I'd spend any amount of time talking about, which I just <laughs> ended up talking about for five minutes. If it makes you feel any better, we both lost our concept of time because I think that was only a minute and a half. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah, I just took another hit of that joint, so <laughs> I'm probably rambling. Um, but so yeah, REM Nirvana, um, probably Daniel Johnston. Um, I never got into him and he was one of those that like, I always thought I had time to get into and then see a show if he was in town. Yeah. And then he died. Yeah. Yeah. He was one of those. I I, I saw, I saw him. I probably, I think I saw him three or four times. mm. Uh, I got to meet him actually. Um, my friends in Lucius sang with him in Hollywood here mm-hmm. before he died. Uh, it was a few years ago mm-hmm. now. Um, and then I, I met him in Boston once when he, when he did the, um, I think it was the paradise. Yeah. He did the paradise ballroom mm-hmm. and I got to meet him then as well. Um, yeah, he's one of my favorites. It's just so good. And he's like that perfect example of like what we were talking about earlier about like not learning too much of the craft. Like he's a perfect example of how his guitar's out of tune. He he sings kind of in key, but not really. Mm-hmm. His voice isn't even that pleasant to listen to. Mm-hmm. I would say like I would get somebody not even like he like sings with a lisp like he has a lisp when he sings uh-huh. and like there's so many reasons to dismiss it but there to me feels like an undeniable truth to what he's doing and an honesty that feels so palpable to me that I I, I don't it makes all those other things not matter. You yeah, know? it's it's raw art. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's not. Imagine if Sony had a hold of his, his music. <laughs> like, what would happen? How different would it be? You know, this is this is raw. Daniel, <laughs> some guy named Daniel Johnston is doing this. When he uh, made his first cassette tape, he didn't duplicate it. He he just played the album over and over again. Wow, how many copies did he? Make? I don't know, <laughs> but that's the story. The is first five hundred, like yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, he probably played the album 500 times, <laughs> which is incredible. I I I, I want to do that actually. If if feel that feels I'm my mindset is definitely more in that realm mm-hmm. of and and that's like the warts and all. Yeah. There there I the I tend to skew that way when it comes to um my opinions on art and 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 that sort of process mm-hmm. um guided, no, I, guided I by voices that's another one a lot of rough sounds there and that they're probably in there 
yeah, th- but they have like 57 albums and it was always hard to like pinpoint yeah, where yeah, should yeah. I start. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my last one, probably actually Radiohead's probably one of my top five too. Yeah. I radio Radiohead was a a pretty influential band in my, in my life. Ooh. Honorable I, mention. Honorable mention uh, or it, c- counting crows, man. Uh, I see it's hard because I, I don't really connect with them anymore. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I'll think that it was like, like I, I, I dismiss them in lists like this mm-hmm. because they just felt like a period of time in my life that I was really into them, but I was so into them that they must've made an impact. And I think they, they did. And so it feels like I'm cheating them if I don't put them in, I see what you mean. Even though I'm like not really, I don't really connect with, I, I don't even know if they have m- new music out. Like mm. they're a band that I don't really follow. Whereas like I did enjoy Radiohead's last album, for mm. example, like they're, they, I still listen to them. I don't think it's, I don't think you should feel bad or anything about not having kept up. Well, and I know they don't care. Like and, this list well, isn't yeah. going <laughs> to like well, Adam Duritz is going to listen to this and be like, Oh, uh, I really take offense to this knucklehead. He could be, though. <laughs> he could be that guy though. Like, Oh man, what did I do wrong? And like, don't put just, his name, put his name in the tag, tag this ep. Like find a way to tag this, this and we'll see if he Googles his name. <laughs> I'll get all the SEO on there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh man. Like, because it could be something that keeps him up at night, right? Where, like, he dismisses it out of hand and then at first, but him. then, like, the next night, he's, he's like, like, this meaningless what? top five list some dumbass was giving. Or what really? if he, he listens to your music, he listens to post everything, and he's like, this is really good. This guy has a point. Fuck. Oh, man. <laughs> I have no point. It, would, it wouldn't be a... a, a if anything, it, he should take away... <laughs> You should take away that uh, I, they were a really big band for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that about Interpol. Like I didn't keep up with them for like three albums. Yeah. And um, then I went to see them and I'm like, just like you said, like, I'm sure they don't care. Like they're playing here. They were playing with Morrissey actually. Those bastards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how dare they? Crazy story. Actually, I went, uh, with my girlfriend to see them in, uh, I forgot the name of the, it was like, um, Pachanga in Temecula, I think, or San Diego. I think it was in San Diego. Uh, they played this, uh, this like arena and the whole time we're like, Morrissey's going to say something stupid. He's going to say something stupid. And we had these tickets like before he said some shit and like, he said something about like people stick with their own race or whatever he's fucking saying. So we were there and it's like, okay, I saw him in Oh four. He hadn't gone off the rails yet. You know? So no. I was like, so happy to see him again. And I'm like, he's going to say something fucking stupid. I had my phone out. I was like, just waiting. He never said anything stupid, hmm. but what he, maybe he didn't know. I got to give him, got to maybe give him the benefit of the doubt. Cause he always kind of looks away when he sings, closes his eyes. I was right in front of this uh we were right in front of this girl that just kind of passed out mm. she just collapsed and um the people behind her noticed but like nobody up front in my row 
uh, noticed. And uh, we start looking over. It's been like a couple minutes, like they had already brought her back up. And they're trying to snap her out of it, trying to see what's going on. And she seemed to like, maybe she was on drugs or maybe she had had a seizure. It was like anywhere between those two things. Like she was just out of it. She said she was fine. She's like, oh, I'm fine. Don't worry. And said it so like clearly and concisely that we're just like, is anything wrong? What's she had no idea what just happened. It was so bizarre. Um, so we're constantly calling for help, right? Yeah. We're like trying to get stagehands, uh, attention. There's a few guys on the side. There's one security on the side. We're waving, we're waving. We're trying to get Morrissey's attention. Cause he starts looking in our direction and we're like, Hey, Hey, we're pointing. Maybe he thinks we're just fucking around trying to get his attention for no reason. Or maybe he doesn't see what's going on. Right. Like maybe he didn't see her. I don't know. She was kind of like hidden by us, but we're trying, we're clearly trying to get attention. We're not, yeah. We're not trying Maybe to. Maybe he didn't him. know what to do. Yeah. Well, in that case, he froze, and um, stagehands eventually saw us, and they sent somebody. Yeah. Um, and she said she was fine. She didn't want to go. Um, but they're like, at this, you collapsed. We have to take you away from this right, crowd. Right. Uh, and Morrissey never addressed it or anything like that. And I was like, did he even notice? Should we talk about the album? <laughs> oh my God! Yes. <laughs> That time we didn't even try. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this album. Post ever. I really liked the uh your your artwork that that you just posted. Oh, dude. The uh, the sign. I everybody's been uh giving me so much great feedback about the artwork. So that that photo I took, I, I did like a series of photos. I kind of became obsessed with this like what I was calling urban fatigue. Mm-hmm. Like this kind of like rusty sort of worn cityscapes mm-hmm. I, they were just like really i i i just kind of became obsessed with that aesthetic and so um i knew that the new album was going to like have a lot of that to it and yeah. the album felt like that to me um it and so it, it like looked how it felt <laughs> um and so i took like a bunch of pictures when i went home to New England. So a lot of that's from right outside where I grew up, like Manchester, New Hampshire. I grew mm. up in Auburn, which is a suburb of Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of that is in Manchester and the surrounding areas. Oh, I would have pegged that as here. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, that looks like Covina or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I was, I was really stoked with how the artwork came out. I have all, Actually, like a few of my interviews have been about the artwork specifically. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like people are really connecting with it, which makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that. I love city, not cityscapes, more like first person uh, views of cityscapes. Uh, It's gorgeous. Um, Just to see all the, to highlight a corner uh, or a shop or anything. You see it every day. You walk past it every day. Most of the time, you don't even look at it. But here it is, you know, in a position that you probably don't stand on or walk by or yeah. walk within. And here, you know, here's this beautiful frame of your town, and yeah. something that you frequent. Yeah. yeah, I feel like mushrooms makes me feel like that at towards everything. Yeah, like every routine, it stops everything. There's yeah. like a beautiful snapshot there. You know. Like, <laughs> 
you see the geometry and the and the beauty in in those mundane things or things that you know we, our brains do this thing where we it filters out what it perceives as useless information mm -hmm. similar to like when you put on a watch pretty soon you don't feel it yeah. anymore your brain's like okay i get what that is it i don't need to deal with that yeah no need to dedicate resources yeah, to that. resources and we do that with a lot of stuff not just um that sense we do it with the things we see and so a lot of times that is what those photos represent is somebody just stopping for a second mm -hmm. and like looking around at the things that our brain has edited out on mm -hmm. this walk that we're taking or whatnot. Yeah. I wonder if post anything could mean beyond post being like after the fact for post punk or post wave post anything like that. It's post look at it for, yeah, look at it for what it is again. Let's not keep jumping the gun. Let's not keep jumping ahead. Let's just stop and post everything. You know, it, it almost, it, it seems like an exclamation. Yeah. You yeah. know, people, I, uh, there was, uh, I, I didn't even intend on the, that double entendre cause people were like, Oh, post everything. Like, yeah, post everything online. Like I get it. I was mm. like, Oh, I, didn't even mean it like that. I meant like, like there's nothing. the The tape has run out. Yeah. The we're where do we go from here? <laughs> I I I feel like we we're like post everything. Mm -hmm. There's just no. There's nothing more to mine. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I like the artwork in that sense too. That really adds to that. Yeah. It's uh yeah. What did you what did you call it? Distress. Uh, oh, urban fatigue. Urban fatigue. Yeah, and it's like just it's the same building you've seen a million times. It's been there for a million years, and it's fully functional, but it hasn't been updated. Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. But it's fully functional. It's still around. It's with us always. Still with us. This and it, and. There was just like a, uh, it kind of coalesced pretty naturally, but it was the first time I had play recorded to tape mm -hmm. in, in the studio. So it, a lot of the tracks are just a live band to me and mm -hmm. we just kept the best take, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to do that more. Um, if not that just be the way I do things, um, it was really cool to do it that way and so that felt like really raw and and um it so that went with the whole um aesthetic and it just all coalesced and felt and it felt like the way i feel just in general being a human being mm -hmm. with what's going on i yeah. felt pretty i feel my nerves are shot you know like <laughs> yeah it's all raw live wire right now mm -hmm. like my brain is frayed live wire like <laughs> it's just and so there's too much yeah <laughs> too much input <laughs> um is there any value to recording shows i mean when we can do this again or before 
recording live shows as albums. Does anybody do that anymore? Because I was thinking I you played these songs, you played post everything at least with uh, at that hi hat show, right? Yeah, I played a bunch of those yeah. tunes there. I think. Um, I mean that that was sort of a problem that I had had with recording. I used to really hate the recording process, and it was for this reason that we're talking about now. Whereas, like, there seems to be pressure on the recording of a song to be the song, the version which every other version is judged. Yeah. And so, to put out a live album has this connotation of like, well, that the but those aren't record the song for real. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and so I don't know what that is. And that used to really freak me out. And I've learned to more or less give that up where um, recording every album is a live album. Yeah. It's it's just (laughs) a live album taken in like 10 second snippets even sometimes. Yeah. You know, like there is something happening live when they're doing it. Yeah. And it's just uh, how much of that air do you want to let in? Right. Right. Like how much are you trimming it so that, and and manipulating it so that it is, um, you know, as little as live as possible. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that there is, a perception that the that um, a song isn't the real version until all that air is taken out, mm-hmm. and that felt really freaky to me. Um, I don't like recording under that premise, so I don't. Yeah, I don't let I don't take much of the air out of the, of the live performance in my in my recordings. Yeah, I think I can hear that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> It's great because it's yes. it reminded me just of that. That was the last time I saw you anyway. Uh, that hi hat show. Yeah, you played with. Um, who'd you play with? Um, who was that? Man, with? I don't remember. There was a DJ at the end. Not a DJ. It was like a. That might have been like um a badass bands show. Badass bands. The yeah, that blog. Oh, the LA blog. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they they've they've invited me to a lot of stuff. They're mm. great. They're Yeah. Mm. Do you feel they like do you like uh, great stuff? What's that? Oh, uh do you um do you think not playing shows for for so long will result in a whole different experience when you do it again? I don't know. I try to do a different experience when I play or like at least be thoughtful ab- about I love playing live, so I put a lot of thought into it, I mm. guess is what I'm saying. And like for the No Signal Tour, for example, I had like this whole projector thing and like the whole concept was this idea of like it would just be me on stage, no instrument, mm-hmm. a mic and like tracks, like almost like like really like hip hop mm-hmm. kind of vibe. Um, I was really leaning into that because a lot of No Signal was really synthy and um and like dancey and beat mm-hmm. oriented. And so um, I thought that was like a really cool live thing. And it never really, I didn't, I never quite perfected it in a way that I really wanted to, mm-hmm. but like th- it was, I loved playing like that. And for no sig, uh, for post everything, 
it's definitely more rock and more raw. And so having a band is great as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's great. It's such a different sound. You took a completely different turn. It was, yeah, it was, I, uh, it was cool. Like it was really cool that, uh, it sounded great. You didn't have to do this in like three albums. You just did it right away. Yeah. And it yeah, worked, yeah. you know, I definitely like that. I, I, sometimes I feel like that's like an asset of mine. And sometimes I feel like it's, um, maybe a hindrance mm-hmm. of like how quickly I can move on to another concept. Mm. Like when I did no signal, I went full tilt. Like I wanted to really experiment with synth and with, um, like really great grooves and, and, um, I knew it was a political album cause that was what was going on. And that was what was on my mind. Mm-hmm. And like the concept to me clicked and made sense. And then once I did it, I was like, okay, next. Yeah. You know? And so sometimes I feel like that, I don't know. Sometimes I think it might be a hindrance for a multitude of reasons, but I mean, it, in the sense that like you could have lingered a little longer and like, if you feel this way, you could have lingered a little longer and done a different take or done a different, maybe tweaked a few things. Yeah. Like instead of just like moving, you got to think that I would refine it some more. I couldn't have just nailed it the first time, you know, like whatever Sometimes you do though, I think maybe, I think but like, I don't know, there might be like benefit from, living in it a bit more like maybe I would find a better way to do the projector Mm -hmm. thing or I mean even on that tour just alone I learned a lot Mm -hmm. about how I would have done it differently the next time yeah and so like maybe what I view as sort of something that wasn't like a home run was just me being like well maybe I didn't give it enough time to work out the kinks yeah because I really did enjoy playing that way, mm-hmm. you know, like playing it, it, it took in a lot of ways. It took a lot of pressure off me because I could just do it. I didn't have to coordinate a band mm-hmm. and the music felt really simpatico with that vibe. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like I ever got the show the way that I wanted to, like I can with a live band. Yeah. You know, like there's just like, I could, I never walked off stage doing the no signal tour, thing i never walked off stage going that went perfectly Mm. or like i nailed it or we nailed it but like with a live band like you can get off stage and just like you're all sweating and you're you're all like (laughs) nodding at each other like Mm. fuck yeah like i want that feeling there's a camaraderie yeah 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 yeah. something i saw i only saw this uh once maybe a couple no i'd say once only once that i can recall i saw uh a show some locals in uh pomona at this place called dba and um i was outside hanging out with some friends after between sets and the band that was loading out they were talking about instead of like oh hey you fucked up there or you know whatever like uh that was on me or whatever they were like building each other up they were so elated from the show like it was good it was well received and they were talking about how like one guy was like oh man i fucked this thing up he said no you were great you were like right. everybody's reassuring each other people were kind of down on themselves but only for a moment because the band in this moment of camaraderie um just felt that good energy from the crowd yeah you know and that yeah. changes everything 
I guess when you play live, you know, um, or when you play with a, with a group of people. I never thought about that, though, how it would be to if you play alone or if you play with a group of people, how different it would be. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've done both. And like there, the, I, I, I've, I've done solo shows where I've walked off stage and like nodded to myself. Yeah. You know, that like been stoked about a show. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's rewarding in a different way for sure. In, for me, for like my point at, in life right now, mm-hmm. um, I like the idea of a band more. Like I feel like I I, I have a band um, called the Everyday Visuals, mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm really we have a new record, and I'm really stoked to be in a band again. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, you know, we'll see like five years from now, I'll probably be stoked to maybe take a break from a band. You know, I think it (laughs) comes comes in waves. waves, Yeah. yeah. And I think it's healthy to like do both. Yeah. I mean, whatever way that means, like, yeah. Um, and so, and with Elbel, like this record, it, it was more collaborative for sure. Like just by nature of the fact that I recorded it with other people mm-hmm. is you is pretty unique yeah. for El Bell because yeah. I have my studio here. So a lot of, a lot of this is uh, I play everything and record everything and I produce everything. Mm-hmm. And, but, um, this record more than, um, the others was recorded with a band in, uh, a studio in Highland park to mm-hmm. tape. And so the band was like, um, an imp- really important part of that process. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's a whole, it's just a whole different experience and it's better to, I think it's always just take the experience as opposed to not like you, you wouldn't want to limit yourself to solo or, or, or band or right. anything like that. You, yeah. You got to edit this man. Talking, <laughs> what time is it? Uh, I don't know what time it is, but we've been talking for two hours and 53 minutes. Wow. Coming up on 54. Thanks for doing this, dude. Thank you, man. Um, it's good to catch up with you again, man. It's been too long. It's been like, when was that? That was like two years ago, it feels like. Yeah. Might have been one. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It does. It, it felt good to do this. Good. I'm glad. Uh, com, uh, Spotify, uh, is just Elbel. Elbel Band is my Instagram. I don't know. Google Elbel <laughs> Music. E L L E B E L L E. I was just going to spell it because I, I can't believe I could like, do that after uh, how much wine I've drank <laughs> but, and how much weed you've smoked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>